Why does Christ tell you to come to church and gather? I'll tell you, so that he can give you what he's always wanted to give you. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace, so that he can stand a pastor in front of you and say, I forgive all your sins. So that he can put his body and his blood in his blood in your mouth and say, I forgive you all of your sins. So that he can sit somebody right next to you down the row and say to you, I forgive you all of your sins. This is what Christ does in the church when we gather together. And this is why it's not optional, because we need it. He doesn't need us. We need The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinaiken.com. Well, this is a scripture that we're going to be looking at for this really sacred holy day in the life of our church. It's uh, Deuteronomy. It's actually the chosen lesson for the second Sunday after Pentecost. This is what Moses commands us. It is the third commandment in the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments from God. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. The word of the Lord. There are many, many things today that I could emphasize from this scripture, the third commandment. Many things. That's true of all the, the scriptures that we encounter. I think that there are many things that I could draw out for you, many truths that we could look at, each and every one. But the burden of the preacher is to take God's word and the truths that are there and to apply it to God's people in a certain place at a certain time so that it will bless their life with God. So I've been thinking about that. How do I do that today? How do I take this scripture and apply it to our life together today? I've been thinking about that. I've been praying about that. I've actually been agonizing over that. And I've come to this conviction. That maybe the best thing I can do in pushing this particular scripture into our lives is ask you a certain question. This one. If not now, 
then when? Now I'm talking about Snapback Sunday. Now I'm talking about what we're doing today. And I'm asking this question for, to you as a church, if not now, then when? The, the history of our, of our church in the pandemic goes like this. It was March 2nd. Blame me, actually. When COVID hit the consciousness of our church. Because it was March 2nd when I dashed off a half-baked blog and dropped it on the church. Little did I know that in 21 days, just 21 days from there, that I'd be staring into a camera on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and the sanctuary would be almost completely empty and I'd be saying words like these. That at least Jesus won't put a temperature gun to your head. And at least Jesus isn't going to swab you before he comes into your life with his grace. And it was then when our dogs started to get too much exercise and toilet paper was scarce and people started frantically making masks and our church's spiritual life moved to the best thing available. Facebook Live, YouTube, and Zoom. And then a year ago, we opened the church back up to a small group of people very quickly. We capped it at 55. Then in September, we added a service, a pandemic 8 a.m. service. Then at Christmas Eve, we busted the caps for the first time. And then Easter, we did it again. And now here we are. It's June 6th. It's our Snapback Sunday. And my question for you as a church is this. If not now, then when? Don't get me wrong. I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit does a whole lot more this morning than galvanize us in one heart and one mission and what we're doing here today. Honestly, it's my prayer. It's my prayer that we take some time and we grieve just a little bit. Because all of us have been through something. We've been through something. All of us have lost things. We've lost time with each other. In some cases, we've lost our health. And in other cases, we've lost loved ones. We've all lost some things. And the only thing to do with that is grieve it. Stop and grieve it. But I think the Holy Spirit also wants us to use this day to embrace the mystery. There's mystery today. Why did all of this happen? Why? Why in the world did things have to go in this way? Why? There's mystery in that. But we know this. God does not waste our suffering. He does not waste our pain. He loves us too much to do that. One day we will see clearly that God has loved us dearly even when we don't understand it. So we can embrace the mystery.
but I think we can also notice the joy. I'll bet you don't know how grateful I am that here today I can say to you that thanks be to God and his grace that over all this time that we've been together, that we know of no single occurrence of somebody getting sick because of coming to peace. I thank God for that. I thank God that during this pandemic, I have seen people take the Lord's Supper with more joy and reverence than I have ever seen in my life. I thank God that the evil one huffed and puffed at a barely five-year-old church. And because we are built on the rock that is Jesus Christ, we are still peace and aching strong. Look at us this morning. <laughs> We're back. So there, is, there are things to grieve, and there's mystery to embrace, and there are joys to delight in. But more than anything, I want to ask you this question. If not now, if not today, then when? See, that's the only legitimate question. The third commandment teaches us that. It's the only legitimate question. There is no if. There is no if we're going to fully do gospel ministry at our church. There's no if. There's only when. And we have discussed that question. My blog back on March 2nd was half-baked, sure. But this decision was not. We thought about this. We prayed about this. We looked at the word on this. We looked at COVID statistics on this. We looked at the vaccination program on this. My blog back on March 2nd may well have been half-baked, but this decision on June, June 6th was not. That's not to say that there can't be disagreement on it. I figure there's at least three groups of people. My prayer is that the majority of the people fall in this Goldilocks category. You kind of look at it and you say, I think the church generally got it pretty right. It was neither too slow nor too fast. It was just about right. I hope that most of us fall into the Goldilocks category, but I know that there's some people who think it's premature. I got a phone call from somebody a couple months ago when we announced June 6th, somebody who's not a member of our church, not from South Carolina, but they care about our ministry. And so he calls me up, and, he, and we had this difficult conversation. We hashed this out. He thought it was premature, so we had to hash it out. Fair enough. You know, fair enough. Somebody thought it was premature. I figure there's also another group of people. There's a, another group of people who are sitting there probably saying to themselves, what took so long? You know, we've been meeting together for over a year. We haven't seen any negative ramifications. And so maybe you're sitting there and saying, What's, what took so long? Fair enough, you know. Fair enough. There are loving, strong people on both sides of the question. Fair enough. But that's my point. 
That is the only question that's worth asking. Not if, but when. Because we do have the third commandment. So buckle up, peace. I got to talk about that. I prepped you for this over about a year ago. You probably don't remember it. <laughs> I was preaching on the book of Exodus, and I told you guys, now's not the time to talk about this, but I'm going to talk about it someday. Well, someday has arrived. <laughs> I want you to know that because I want you to know that this is not haphazard. I've been thinking about this, praying about this, actually, for over a year. When am I going to talk about this? I've got to talk about this. I actually didn't plan to do it today. I got shoved into it by God. I'm serious. I didn't free text Deuteronomy 5. Free texting is where a pastor just picks a text that he wants to preach on. I didn't do that for today. I could have done that today. That's a totally legitimate practice. I didn't do it today. I didn't pick this text. This is the chosen lesson for the second Sunday after Pentecost. I didn't pick it. The church did. Makes sense if you think about it. Last week, we started the second half of the church year. Remember that? We said this is the time in the church when we're thinking about the life of the church. And, and we said the first question that you got to ask in the life of the church is, who is God? And then you answer the question, and we say, he's the Holy Trinity. He's, he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we asked the question last week, who is God? And we said he's the Holy Trinity. And now this week, we ask the natural next question, which is this. How do you worship him? God is God. How in the world are we supposed to worship him? Answer. The third commandment. We set aside holy time to gather around God's word. So, there's the tension. It's been a tension Actually, all the way back since March of 2020, every Christian experiences it. You remember what happened on the internet when churches closed back in March? Everybody said on the internet, you remember this? It was going around like crazy. The church is not a building, it's people. True. That's true. Actually, Martin Luther himself was one of the first Christians to popularize that idea. It's true. The Christian church is not a building. It's people. True. And back in March, back in that time when we couldn't safely be together, we needed to hold on to that truth. But now i got to say this. It is not the only truth. And it is certainly not the whole truth. What it is is a partial truth. It's true. The church is not a building. It's people. But it is also a certain kind of people. It is people who worship Jesus. 
And they worship Jesus in a particular way. See, we're not like pagans. We don't get out a pole in the spring and dance around it and think that's what Jesus wants us to do. We are not like people who take their kids, put them on an altar, fire it up with fire, and murder them because we think that's what God wants us to do. Oh, no, no, no. Christian people worship God exactly in the way he asks them to do it. And that's the third commandment. We set aside holy time to receive Christ's word together. That's the third commandment. I, look, I got to clarify. The external stipulations of the third commandment, that's what we call them. The external stipulations of the third commandment, the part where it says you have to worship God on Saturday and you have to not do any work, those have gone away. The New Testament tells us that you should let nobody judge you by a Sabbath day. The external stipulations of the third commandment have gone away. The New Testament teaches us that. What's left is the heart and the core of the commandment. The New Testament also teaches us that God still commands us to gather around his word. Christ's word, Christ's baptism, Christ's supper, and Christ's people. That's the third commandment. Now, I'm guessing some of you are sitting there and saying, but I could maybe worship Jesus at home. Right, (laughs) right, you can. And you know what, you guys? You must. That's the second commandment. The second commandment says that you need to worship God and praise God and, 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 and give witness to God in your life all week long. Yes, you should do that. You need to worship God in your life, every day of your life. That's the second commandment. You should not only do that, you must do that. You are commanded to do it. But we're not talking about the second commandment today. We're talking about the third. And the third commandment reminds us that, yes, it is a sin not to receive preaching. And, yes, it is a sin not to regularly take the Lord's Supper. True enough, Jesus didn't tell us how often to do it. He didn't, did he? He didn't tell us. He said, do it often. But he also didn't make it optional. He didn't say, come and do it whenever you want, whenever you feel like it. What he said was, do this. And when you don't, see, when you don't, we call that rebellion. So there's the third commandment. We are commanded to do this. To support God's word, receive God's baptism, Christ's supper, and receive Christ's church. And if you think it through, and now we are, that produces tension. 
Because what we start to realize is that there's more than just the fifth commandment, which is do not murder. There's more than that. And what the third commandment comes along and says is this. It's legitimate, yes, not to harm yourself through getting a virus. It's important not to do that. God doesn't want us to be getting sick. Putting ourselves in harm's way, we've learned that. That's the fifth commandment. We don't want to be sharing the virus with other people. Yes, that's the fifth commandment. But the third commandment comes along and says that's the, not the only thing in play. It's not just about yourself. It's not just about other people. It's also about God. And there are more realities than a virus. Have you thought about this? That I think the number one way that you can do self-harm is to take God's word out of your life. And one of the number one ways that you can commit homicide, you can actually hurt another person, is to not support the preaching of God's word to people. Because it kills them. It really does, it kills them. I, I don't know how much you know that. Maybe the social distancing has really hurt us so we don't even know what's going on in each other's lives. But I want to tell you something. I know what's going on. Do you know what has happened since March of 2020? Do you really know? Pastor, my marriage... Pastor, my depression. Pastor, I am having thoughts I can't even say to you out loud right now. Pastor, I'm having trouble loving people. There's more than just the fifth commandment. There is the third. And now we're starting to get where I wanted to get to. Have you ever thought about why God gives us the third commandment? Do you think that Christ needs glory from us? Do you think, do you think Jesus woke up on, on Sunday morning and at 10 a.m., he's like, you know, I'm not going to feel good about myself unless peace gets together and gives me glory. <laughs> Jesus is perfectly glorious all by himself. He is totally not dependent on us to feel good about himself. The third commandment is not for him. It's for us. He doesn't need us. We need him. We need his grace. We need his power. We need his Holy Spirit. We need his forgiveness. We need his new covenant. He doesn't need us. We need him. Do you know what the third commandment's like? It's kind of like what my mom did when I was a kid. And she said, son, sit down and have some spaghetti. Why did she do that? She issued up a command. Only so I'd sit down and eat. Why did 
does Christ tell you to come to church and gather? I'll tell you. So that he can give you what he's always wanted to give you. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. So that he can stand a pastor in front of you and say, I forgive all your sins. So that he can put his body and his blood in, his blood in your mouth and say, I forgive you all of your sins. So that he can sit somebody right next to you down the row and say to you, I forgive you all of your sins. This is what Christ does in the church when we gather together. And this is why it's not optional, because we need it. He doesn't need us. We need him. So here's my conviction. Until the evil one is locked up in hell, until people stop sinning, until people stop dying, I am not going to stop opening up my life for gospel business. We are going to be a church that opens its doors so that the sinner, the guilty one, can come in here and we are going to say, yes, you did that, but Christ did that. Yes, you may have suffered from COVID, but Christ has made sure that you never ever suffer anything worse. We have eternal life through Jesus. So June 6th, for me at least, is not symbolic. It's actual. My life is open for business. I am here to give people what Christ has given me. The forgiveness of sins I need for my rebellion. The love of the Holy Spirit for my broken heart. The grace of Christ's people to support me in my walk with Christ. That's my conviction here on June 6th. So dear church, what's yours? That's my question to you today. If not now, then when? Today's the day when we say when. It's our turning point in the life of the church. Mark this. It's a watershed event for our church. I think we're going to look back on this day. I think we will. So it's a day that's a whole lot more than policy. It's true our policies have changed. You don't have to wear a mask at our 8 a.m. service. There isn't even an 8 a.m. service anymore. Our policies have changed. So if you want to wear a mask, you can wear a mask. If you want to hug somebody, hug somebody. If you don't want to hug somebody, don't hug somebody. Our policies have changed. But peace is not. So whatever you do, love the lost. Whatever you decide to do, open your life to people. Whatever you decide to do, love each other deeply. Whatever you do, peace. Be peace again. But it's not just about policy. It's not just about saying that out loud. 
It's also about giving us a chance to grieve, to embrace the mystery, to look at how God has been faithful to us and to joy in that. But it's not just about that either. It's about Christ's word. It's about his word that we gather together to remember. That's what the commandment says. That's what we're doing together. Remember, God said. Remember, call it to mind. Take it from the past. Put it right here in the present. That's what you do in your memory. You evoke it. You re-experience it. You, you experience it again. I am the Lord your God, the Lord said. I am the God. Do you remember this? I brought you up out of Egypt. I broke Pharaoh's head. I'm the one who has loosened all your chains. I'm the one who brought you. As I promised, he said, to your promised land. This is the God who keeps his promises. We remember that today. I heard a quote a couple years ago, and I've never forgotten it. The quote goes like this. We as Christians tend to remember the wrong things and forget the right things. You know, you hear a sermon like this, and it's convicting. You think about it. Have there been times this past year when we've honestly honored and respected COVID more than we have God and his word? You got to wonder. Have all of us passed through this crisis with flying colors in our Christian faith? Have we? We can remember that. But not today. Not on the Lord's Day. Because God commands us to forget the wrong things at the foot of Christ's cross and to remember the right things. He did that. And it's real. He rose from the dead. And it's real. He loosened our chains. And it's real. He's promised to bring us to his promised land. And it's real. Today's about that. Live that. Share that. Receive that. Be that. We are the church. If not now, church, then when? And if not us, then who? Let's pray. We thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that today we get to remember your grace, your mercy, and your love. We thank you for the public gathering where we get to receive you, each other, your word, and your sacraments. Draw us to receive strength from that so that we might be the church in our lives and live to your glory, to your honor, and with your gospel 
in our hearts and on our lips. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, I pray. Amen. Amen.